down in front. Welcome to Old Fogies and Films. Each episode, the members of this panel take turns assigning a film to watch and discuss. We have Ruth, Jelly, Mahad, Takia, and me, Eric. This episode, we're discussing my pick, 2018's Fox Lux, starring Natalie Portman and Jude Law. Vox Lux is the story of a young girl who is launched to national attention after she survives a senseless tragedy and translates that attention into pop stardom. We catch up with her almost two decades later at the height of an iconic career after years of damage in a world that seems no less violent and makes even less sense. So I think I'm going to be thinking of this movie for a while. Uh, It definitely affected me in some way. I still haven't like dissected it, but it, it has a very, it had a very interesting style. Um, interesting techniques were used. Um, the narrative is a little, a little strange. Um, there's a lot about it that I, I found very unique. I really appreciate that. So it, it didn't remind me of anything else I had ever seen. Uh, the Natalie Portman's performance was absolutely fantastic. And, um, uh, it, it was kind of fun in a in a very uh, superficial way, I guess, to to sort of be watching the career of a pop star. But you know, it, it was underlied the whole time. Is that a word? Underlied, <laughs> underlying it the whole time was, of course, this kind of darkness and um, and a morbid nature. So that that colored it in a very interesting way. I I feel like. I'm still trying to figure out what I thought the movie was about. Um, currently, I'm feeling that, you know, she she begins her career after this horrific thing happens. And then I guess she she spends her life kind of running away from that in a way, like, you know, falling into the idea of pop music and being a public persona to just sort of to avoid it. Um, partially avoid it, but partially also convince herself and her fans um, that there are things, you know, to live for, you know, despite all the horrible things that might be happening around you, um, that you can be a little lighter and, and, and try to enjoy life and have fun. But it does seem like for quite a bit of the movie when she's an adult, that it's been very difficult for her for years to, to remember that herself. And so she's gotten into a lot of trouble She's abused herself. She's abused other people. It's like the, the idea of pop music is not working as well as it used to, to distract her from all these things. And um, so it is it very, very interesting. And I, I'm going to leave it at that for now and open it up to see what each of you thought about it, your general thoughts and what you thought the themes were uh, and what you enjoyed about it or didn't enjoy about it. So let's start first with Shelly. Yeah, I was hoping you'd call me first. So I agree, this movie was really unique. And I some I I didn't look up the plot before I watched it. 
I only briefly heard us uh, heard you introduce it last week. So I was shocked when the school shooting happened yeah. and disturbed and and it 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 left like you were saying like a whole morbid like theme throughout the movie because that was like underlying the whole reason that she got into music the whole reason but then sad things kept happening um you know she was 13 when she got in a relationship with that guy in the band who um then you find out that she gets pregnant by him and that was sad and you um just the relationship with her daughter that she didn't have her parents with her, just like that she was an alcoholic. Everything was just kept going downhill. So it started off, I was shocked that school, it was very upsetting to me, the school um, shooting and then the shooting on the beach. Like, so you're right. She spent the whole movie running away from that and not being able to, but then I was trying to figure out what the ending meant did she really make a deal with the devil? Is that how she got this like so successful? So I didn't dislike the movie. I, I, I it was interesting. I enjoyed, I love Natalie Portman and she did an amazing job. Her accent drove me crazy though. And so did Jude Law's accent, that drove me crazy. <laughs> but um, I mean, they both did a really good job. So um, those were my first impressions. Sad, sad, sad. <laughs> Ever exhilarated by the, you know, the, the sort of uh, the glitter. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, I enjoyed watching the last scene of her doing the cut. Like she did awesome. awesome. Natalie Portman did um, it's amazing. Like that was, it looked like a pop show. Like she, yeah. she yeah. it was, it was. So yeah, that was, that was interesting exhilarating that was happy she seemed she actually smiled or at least I guess she, the version did she it. enjoy it I don't know yeah <laughs> uh okay so uh we'll touch on a few of those things later I think uh but let's go to Ruth next okay yeah I um was shocked and disturbed by the beginning too with the shooting and then also disturbed because I have a thing with eyes and he took his, <laughs> his glass eye off <laughs> I don't know this eyes freaked me out but um and then kind of like you know how she gets started in the music career from the tragedy and I'm thinking okay that you know the guy who plays her manager Jude Law I think okay well he's gonna like actually be more of like a manager slash maybe father figure or uncle and then you come to find like later on what he sleeps with um Celeste's sister and all the stuff but how old was she at that point Celeste? The sister. I'm not sure. She's older. She's older. Uh, I, I was guessing 16, 17. I just thought, obviously, well, especially with that age, I still think that was very inappropriate. And um, yeah. it's just like, she seemed like her childhood started off pretty cool. And I just felt like um, she was forced to grow up too fast, obviously, with her, her, you know, the sad things that happened in her life. And so then you see her also basically she never really got to grow up I feel like so that's why I feel like she was also a brat too not to say that she didn't make bad decisions but you know how she has a big fit before she goes on um in the dressing room and yeah 
yeah kind yeah, of just plays, yeah she never really gets out of her dark place i think even from the beginning from the shooting um which yeah. i don't blame. i mean i don't totally don't blame her but you know she she honestly seemed mature to me for her age in the beginning so yeah. i sort of interpreted it that um the life that she ended up living as, as she became an adult kind of broke her down a bit that's kind of sad yeah um yeah okay anything else you want to say ruth right now um yeah my thing too was i was gonna say i don't want to get too into it but um the deal with the devil i remember watching her sister and her daughter watching the show seem like excited later on and then jude law like looking very serious then i thought well does that mean he's a devil? But I don't know. We can go into that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look very happy. <laughs> I, I think, you know, maybe you're, I was thinking that, you know, to tie what you were saying with what Shelly was saying when, when she said, did she really make a deal with the devil? I guess maybe the mess, maybe the um, idea there they were trying to say is that when you sort of agree to become famous, that is a deal with the devil. Cause you, there are a lot of good things that can come with that. Like she does get to reach out to a lot of people and, yeah. and, you know, perform for them and, and they get to know her and she gets to send a message out into the world, but look at all this crap you also have to deal with. So it's almost like your soul now belongs to somebody else. And so to that end, I guess, because Jude Law was the first person that sort of started this for her. Um, he is kind of the devil. Like he's the one that she sold her soul to. And, you know, now she belongs to this place, hell, I guess, or, you know, yeah. a hell kind of hybrid. <laughs> um, that she'll never be able to leave so maybe that's what they were thinking yeah okay so how about takia for me it was more the acting <laughs> the story was it was interesting where you know there's a school shooting and then she's affected by that but then it feels i still feel like i don't know i don't know why it's, the word random comes up i don't know it, it's i don't know it, it, it the way things were connected along with the school shooting like that influenced her to go into singing because of because of um, the song she performed at the um, at at the I guess it was like at the memorial. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I for me it was like I said more the acting. I loved Natalie Portman's acting, and um, I probably of all everyone on there, hers was the best. Like I think she really bought it out her um, emotion, emotion, everything, even the accent. I kind of that didn't bother me. I, I like that. I like seeing versatility with with actors and actresses so that was too i've never seen her do this before so that was yeah and that's what i, I like about it. yeah she had a similar accent with and where the heart where the heart is found so it's the 2000 movie oh uh, where the heart is is that where she's born in a walmart or something yeah her <laughs> baby, she gives birth in a walmart she gives natalie portman gives birth in a walmart yeah i remember she slight accent then so i was like and then i've heard her with some other accents some other times. Um, so I just like her versatility. For me, she shines the actress in this particular, this particular movie. Um, yeah, so that, for me, that, that was more what it was about for me, it, that, that makes sense. Not yeah. just the story, but more the acting shine. Yeah, like I don't know if I would see the particular story again, but I did like the, um, I guess she still had these demons inside of her and while you know, trying to maintain this, um, her, this rise to fame and then I think her daughter was, it's weird. We never saw her daughter perform or do, no, I don't remember seeing her daughter perform. And probably she was a performer too. Or how did you guys, how was- Oh, I, I, didn't, miss, I didn't pick up on that. I don't think she was. What did she, something she said when she was coming and we first met the daughter and like, are you going to go on or something? Maybe she was referring to her mom or something like that. But um, 
Okay, yeah. So, yeah, the acting for Natalie Portman's acting for me is what stood out for this movie. So that's where I am. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, normally I save the best for last, but instead we're going to go with. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I'll try to live up to my low expectations that you set. So thank you for that. <laughs> Helping you. <laughs> you um, can't lose now. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of you have said a lot of how I felt with the movie. I mean, the the school shooting in the beginning, like to Shelley's thing, I did not really look up the movie to know what it was about. I did, you know, I knew from what you explained and what you had told me in the past was this was about Natalie Portman as a pop star. And, you know, seeing the cover, I was like, oh, it's going to be this kind of fun movie, probably, of like a pop star's rise to fame. I definitely never said it was fun. Though. <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm saying by looking at the cover, that's what I thought it was going to look like. Like, True. Um, so when the movie started out with that shooting, like it just led, left this feeling of dread inside of me throughout the rest of the movie. Like yeah. if you're going to start off like that, OK, where is this going to go? And throughout, you know, like her childhood and stuff like no, not great stuff happened to her. Like, you know, she had that one night stand with that musician. She, we didn't know she gets pregnant until the time jump, but you know, she gets into alcohol, all these things that happen. And then all of a sudden there's this shooting on the beach. And I'm like, whoa, this movie is just like continuing the dread and the, the mass murders and stuff like that. So I honestly was watching the concert waiting for the next shooting or dreadful thing to happen. I was like, is there going to be another, like she invited the terrorists to come. And I'm like, yeah, you know? And I was like, okay, what's going to happen here? I was like, something bad is going to happen at this show. I was convinced they were going to show up and yeah. yeah. Or that she was going to collapse and die. Like this was her last performance. Like you're waiting for this. Um, But then, you know, it doesn't. And it ends with her just performing and like, her sister and daughter who have been worried about her and been mistreated by her that whole day, they are looking very upset throughout the beginning, but then all of a sudden they're smiling and bopping their heads along. (laughs) And I was like, you know, what to me this tells you is with pop stars and everything, everything they do is they're putting on a show. Mm -hmm. Like their lives, we have no idea what they're living day in and day out, what they're really going through. She had a horrible day that entire day. She was she passed out like you know I can't believe she went on stage I mean, and then she goes on stage but she turns it on yeah and that's what these performers do they put everything aside bottle it all up and turn on and become that performer for those two hours on stage and i think this movie was basically a tale of what performers go through they amped up the drama because not all of our performers today have gone through multiple mass shootings and all these horrible <laughs> things but yeah they've gone through stuff like Britney Spears, you know, that's the classic tale. We've seen all the horrible things she's gone through, but on the Vegas show, she still gets up there and she performs. She puts everything behind. And it's like, are we creating these robots, these shells of humans that just go on there to entertain us? And it's like, okay, let's forget about everything we know they go through. They're just there to entertain us. And I think that's what this movie was highlighting is what these poor people go through and we don't care as long as they're there to perform us and they're good at doing that they suck at real life apparently not all of them but you know she sucks at real life but she doesn't suck when she gets up there on stage um so that's i guess my take on the theme of the movie um and my feeling of it like i literally watched the entire thing with dread inside of me the whole time waiting for the next bad thing to happen Mm -hmm. um agreed with you all in terms of the acting natalie portman was great i've not seen her in this kind of a role before um and 
I actually think I want to give credit to the girl who played young Natalie Portman, because as young Natalie Portman, she was one way. But then as the daughter, she was a completely different person. So I thought she did a great job acting wise of separating the two very well that you might forget that that was the same actress that played young Natalie Portman. Um, Wondering that. Almost couldn't tell. Really? Yeah, it's the same actress. So I thought she did a really good job of differentiating the two characters. Um, So I really, I did appreciate her acting. Jude Law, it's just weird hearing him not talk with a British accent. That was good. So I will say that took me a little out of the movie because it did feel a little, not forced, but it just didn't, it didn't fit for me um, as much. But um, I do like the, the take that Ruth had with like the, you know, Shelly asking the deal with the devil thing and like, oh, could he be the devil? And maybe, um, you know, theor- not like literally he's the devil, but like she signed her life away to the pop stardom world. That's signing your life, your soul to the devil, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, I guess I haven't said if I liked the movie or not yet. <laughs> um, I... I enjoyed watching it for like what you all said, like the acting was great. I didn't know the full, not the point of this, the movie. I just didn't know like where they were going with it. But I think once you take a look back at it, that it's basically a tale of like a warning to people, like, you know, that you don't know who people really are and what they're really dealing with. You know, you see them this one way, but there could be a lot of stuff from the, when they were children all through now that they're going through, even in that day you see them, they might be up there smiling, walking, looking all confident, but they could have just passed out like 30 minutes before and on the verge of death. And you just don't know. Um, So I think we take people's other people's lives and what they're going through for granted because we don't see it. So it's like out of sight, out of mind. We live a blissful ignorance life. Like you know, as long as you're fine in front of me, I'm good. I don't care what you went through to be like this in front of me. Isn't um, that um, isn't that the point of the like Oprah uh, Prince Harry thing? Because I think it's called uh, the me you don't see. Mm. I feel like I, I don't know much about it, but I, I I always interpreted it as it's because so many people they put on a face, and, and you so you so the rest of us feel like everyone is okay but they're not I mean if I were a concert goer I would think like oh my god look at her she's amazing she has it all but they don't have it all like her daughter she's not even raising her own daughter you know and her sister has been so beaten down by her that she can't even stand up to her like her the older sister can't stand up to her baby sister and say like you're doing these terrible things and you're treating me like a carpet like you're wiping your feet on me all the time that made me oh. think of too she puts up with it because of all the guilt because remember how she said she was so felt so bad she wasn't there with yeah. that shooting i think yeah yeah i mean she, she yeah wanted to be her protector yeah and look after her i think um, maybe also when they got older though she wanted to live vicariously through her because she wanted to be a singer and a dancer but yeah. she didn't have she wasn't willing to sell her soul <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's not the best phrase for it, but she wasn't willing to deal with all the bull crap you have to deal with uh, to do that. And Celeste was. Celeste was willing to deal with paparazzi and, you know, all the pressure that goes with it. And and um, her sister, that's not what she wanted to do. She right. wanted to be just as famous, but people don't realize, like, there are sacrifices you have to make to actually get there. Mm-hmm. And so I guess maybe she sticks around because, you know, 
I really like that scene that you mentioned, Fahad, um, at the end when they're at first they look they're still kind of annoyed, uh, her sister and her daughter, when the show starts, but then they start smiling and it's and it's actual joy in their face. And I was like, that's really beautiful because it proves that no matter what it takes to get there, um, she really is doing a service for people, the you know, um, Celeste, but by making them forget for a minute. It, and it, it just finally there's a moment to just it's just fun, it's just joy. And even for the people who are in her life who know how difficult she can be, they're taken away by it too. And they can finally forget a little. And I think oh, that's really nice. Cause it, I mean, there is a purpose to what she's doing, I guess. Um, but everything she has to go through to get it done and whether she's happy, who knows? Yeah. Except yeah. for Jude, he had that awful, he didn't, did he have a name? The caption just kept calling him manager. Okay. In, in, in IMDB, he's listed as the manager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I saw. That's what he represents. So. <laughs> The, um, the worst of that yeah, industry. Yep. <laughs> I would say, so there's just two more things I wanted to touch on that you all brought up. Um, Shelly, I agree with you that Natalie Portman doing the performances was great. Like she seemed like she's a seasoned pop star. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I was watching a taped concert. Um, and I was thinking like, oh my gosh, the set that they, they literally put together a real concert. Yeah. And I was like, that's a lot of work, you know, to put all of that together just for like a person's normal concert. And they did it for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was very amazing to do. Um, and then how you all said this movie was very unique in the kind of its stylings. And I felt that immediately with the opening credits that the way that the credits came, it felt like end credits. That's yeah. what like, I thought. <laughs> where we're starting with the end. <laughs> and then the beginning, the credits, instead of going from... Um, they went the opposite direction at the end, the credits, like than they normally roll. So I right. thought that that was very interesting that they did it that way. Well, I guess the, that opening, those credits, it kind of was the end of something, right? Because yeah. she was the end uh, of her innocence. she was a certain kind of person up until that point, and then entirely different after because she had to be after yeah. going through something like that, surviving it, and then starting this very weird life that no one else would understand. Yeah. Um, the the Celeste of childhood is died that day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just um, that the the opening scene though did haunt me throughout. Like just watching that poor teacher, just like oh. pl- just talking about normal life things, and then all of a sudden she looks at the TV screen, you know, at us, and is like, "You're wondering like who is she looking at? Who is she talking to?" And I had no idea that all of a sudden she'd get shot, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "Oh, oh so my sad. god." This movie is, I I immediately was like, oh my gosh, what is everybody else feeling when they watch this? Like all of you all, and what's going through your head? Like that either. I, I, I just thought it was gonna be like a, a, a rise to, kind of like the movie Shallow and they Gaga rose to fame. Even I didn't see the movie. I know. I, I know. Oh, that a Star is Born. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the song is Shallow. <laughs> well, shallow. Yeah. My point yeah, is, I was thinking Shallow. Huh? It's, a, it's it's from rising from the you know from. I guess the ashes to to start ashes to start him. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. I thought it was a movie literally just like that. And then the school shootings. There's like, whoa! It takes your head for a spin. So it really set the tone for the rest of the movie. That this yeah. is not a fun movie. That is going to yeah. be all like glitters and gold. Only the yeah. end. But I, I knew from the synopsis. Um, from I, I wanted to watch this since it came out. So it's one of the uh, yet another movie I put off for a really long time. So from the, from the synopsis, I knew that. Um, it's, it would say something like it's, uh, beginning with one tra- tragedy, a career is launched 
and then and then and another tragedy happens at a pivotal point in her life <laughs> later and i and but the way i imagined it was oh you know this is going to be more of a typically directed drama film where perhaps in the beginning you know she loses her parents or or there's a an act of violence against her that's just i don't know a little more of the typical cinematic style that we see you know attacked in an alleyway and then she deals with it you know on a personal basis so that yeah it, that was way more um sort of blunt and and unfiltered than i expected it to be and yeah. more national like it was like a, a a big deal a lot of people lost their lives everyone in the in the world knew about it uh it's a very shocking thing and it, it definitely like shocked her out of her previous self into launching her into a new a new now, path well what about the commentary on cashing out on this tragedy I mean, that's basically what she did, right? This horrible thing happened and she became famous off of it and took that to further herself and her career. You could look at it a better way too. You could say um, somebody tried to take her out and tried to you know, put her down literally. Um, and she went the other way with it. She said, yeah, no, this I'm is only going to make me stronger. I'm going to succeed even more. I will not only keep living, I will live the biggest life you've ever seen. It, it's like a big F you. Yeah. To and it seems people like, like that person who would who think that they have the right to take anyone's life away from them. Yeah. And it seems like that was her throughout, like that incident that happened with her and like the person she hit or whatever. Um, yeah. Like her career should have ended then too. But she's like, no, I'm not going to let it. And, you know, and like she rose up again. So she literally is like a phoenix, you know, each time like she's put down, she comes back. Um, yeah, I'm still dissecting that because um, there's that that um, uh, moment in her life that is only described to us, but then there's that scene that she where she's arguing with her sister in the hotel room, and as she's storming out the hotel door, <clears throat> she says, "Go ahead, tell anyone anything you want. It literally doesn't matter anymore. It, True. you know, s- scandals come and go. Nobody ca- like there is no way to stop this train she's on, and maybe a part of her actually was hoping something would stop it, like." But and she's maybe she's actually resentful that there's no way off of this, off this train for her. It, it, all the things that you think would derail it, don't because nobody gives a crap anymore. If they find out that you're a fraud or that you're a racist, you just things keep on going, and people keep expecting things from you. Right. Well, to your earlier statement though, that when you read the synopsis, it told you you know out of one tragedy and then another tragedy. I'm kind of glad I didn't read that because it made that opening scene more shocking to me and like, oh, okay, this is what this movie's doing, so. I feel so bad for her teacher. Sorry, go ahead. It was also kind of commenting on like uh, childhood stardom and all of the, like her parents were absent. I mean, they literally let her and her sister go to Europe with this man who ends up sleeping with her sister. She ends up sleeping with someone and getting pregnant at a very young age. Um, She ends up drinking to the point of getting drunk at a very young age. Um, And it's all downhill from there. So. Yeah, we never even never want any of my children to be Mm -hmm. in show business. Yeah, we never meet them. And then there's that scene where um, she's expecting her parents to go to the opening concert because it's going to be in her hometown, which is weird. It's like a, a no-name place, right, basically. Uh, and they're not, and, they're, and then they say, we hear that they're deciding they may not go. 
on the first night. I was like, Ugh. like, I mean, uh, it, it makes you wonder who exactly, what kind of parents are they actually? Cause they weren't, they weren't there at the beginning and they're not supporting her now. So she just had to be on her own. Yeah. Well, her dad was there and he left to go take the mom out for dinner because the mom was stressed. <laughs> When his daughter's lying there in a oh, hospital. Yeah, in the bed. hospital. That's true. We do oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, we father. Yeah. So from uh, there, he just sort of, they just sort of appeared. <laughs> yeah. It's hmm. interesting. Did everybody enjoy the songs <laughs> in the concert? I did. Um, First of all, I was not sure that Natalie Portman sang all the songs, but she did. I mean, after I oh, looked wow. at her. Uh, and she doesn't have the best voice, but, um, but it was definitely capable. Um, and the songs weren't really, really incredible, but they were passable enough to be believable as some fake pop stars, you know, discography. Except I did kind of get into the um, Private Girl song when she was doing that one. I was like, this is kind of a bop. Uh, but I also, I don't know if you guys knew, uh, saw this in the credits or looking up anything else, but the songs were written by uh, Sia uh, wow. and Greg Kirsten. And Sia is an executive producer on this movie sia wrote these songs wow yeah with greg kirsten who we know because he's collaborated a lot with kelly clarkson and also with kylie minogue done a lot of their best songs actually i did not hear any shades of sierra's sierra sia's typical kind of songs in any of those i might have to listen to them again the first song that she does after the tragedy part of that i mean i i remember thinking this is this is sia to me if i heard her singing okay. it this would be believable but it's also like a lot of people who do a sia song to do their imp- best impression yeah. for some reason but natalie portman didn't even natalie portman just did her own voice so right. you don't get any of that that um yeah that feel for it yeah quotes feel free <laughs> i just had one it, it had to go along with the pop music after after you, you guys mentioned about the, the music so um i wrote it down <laughs> Uh, that's not it that was (laughs) 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 okay so celeste is with the um this is a young celeste and she's with the guy the musician that she slept with and um she'd ask she'd inquire i think he'd ask her about like why it doesn't she like i forgot how it went like why doesn't she like his music or something and why doesn't she make other music and she said, "This that's what I love about pop music. I don't want people to have to think too hard. I just want them to feel good. Yeah. So do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of pop music because I know there's too much else going on in real life. Why would I want to listen to somebody moody sing about it? You know, it's like, okay, you've got problems. Well, we all do. I would like to forget about them for a minute. So <laughs> pop music is generally kind of upbeat and fun. Spice Girls and Britney Spears and some of uh, all the other thousands of pop artists out there. So when she said that, I thought it was kind of interesting. It is very kind of really upbeat. It's not sad. It's not like, you know, somber or anything. So that's why I, I thought that was kind of a cool quote she was saying. You know, she, she was saying it kind of in a quiet kind of way with the guy, but um, she's yeah. Very she's, high. Huh? She's she was very high. high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, pop music's I think it gets a bad rap, like, you know, um, because it's, it's not, and, and yeah, pop music one is not like all one thing, right? It's not all bubble. Like, that's why it's called bubblegum pop. That's a type yeah. of pop, Whoa. you know, dance pop, pop rock, you know, there's all types. Pop is short for popular. It's the sounds that the general masses enjoy. Um, so there shouldn't be anything wrong about that. I remember in the 1997 MTV Video Music Awards when the Spice Girls won uh, a music video award, 
think it was for Say You'll Be There. That it was for best pop video. And I think Mel B or somebody is like, you know, it's great, you know, make us making pop music. She's like, yeah, I said it, pop music. Um, <laughs> like as if it was like a bad word. And they're trying to say like, it shouldn't be a bad word. Um, and it shouldn't be because it's it's for the masses. It's just stuff that people enjoy listening to. It's, you know, some of it, they want to make a statement, but others, they just want to have fun and just Girls enjoy. Just have like, fun. I mean, you have sad pop songs, happy pop songs. I, and I, and I, think the, I think the opposite is uh, just as true. There are too many artists out there who are really self-indulgent, you know, mopey guitarists. And, uh, and some of those songs can be really, um, really good, but usually like the ones that I think are really good, they have a pop sensibility to them. Like the, the lyrical content might be a little deeper, um, but, the, but the, the music that they have going along with it, the structure, it, it's, it's, it's definitely meant to engage people. And I, I can't stand people who write like some like piano only about dirge, you know, about their personal life. And it's like, this means nothing to me. This is your business. I get this may be cathartic for you, but expecting everyone else to get on board with it, I think is, is very self-indulgent. I think it's very um, self-absorbed, actually. Uh, so, you know, but, you know, I, I'm a from way back a Tori Amos fan and Ani DeFranco fan. And, and this is not what people would consider typical pop music either, but um, but they, they, I, I think they still structure things in a way that's often very engaging and can, and, be, and can often be very, very fun. Uh, so there's like a fine line in my opinion, and I don't think you should go either direction too far. You should, you should aim for the middle a little bit. And, and just because it's dancey doesn't mean it's not valuable. Right. I, I sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 you're going. No, I, this has nothing to do with music. I just was excited to see the guy from Possessor was the journalist. Oh. Yeah, yes. so excited. <laughs> so it's our second movie with him. Yeah. And it's our second movie with her uh, uh, her publicist, her PR person. That's that's the um, woman who runs the camp in Cameron Post. Oh, her? Oh. Yeah, the, from St. From Saint Maud. Dream. Yeah. What's her name in real life? Jennifer Ailey. I, think. Ailey. Okay. I don't know if, you, if I'm pronouncing it right. but um, So it's interesting how we, we've only done, this is our 23rd film. But we've had a few cases where we we've ended up accidentally get you know doubling up on actors. You know we've seen a, a few things in there. Uvora is that is that did I pronounce that one right? I don't know. Um, yeah, so it's weird how that's happening. And not even like big name people who are in every movie. No, yeah. just randos. Yeah. <laughs> well, the guy that you guys mentioned that he was one of the um, interviewers was uh, I think it's Christopher Abbott. Um, he was yeah. a, the third time I've seen him because he was at the center as well. That's where I first saw him. So, yeah, that's the one with Bill Pullman. Oh, the center, right, right, right. Yeah, so that's where I first heard learned about him. Um, he played his part well, despite it being really short in this movie. Yeah, yeah he did. It was good. Yeah. I thought it was it was very thoughtful. Um, yeah, I kind of wanted to see a little more of him because it seemed. I like, did too. I was hoping he yeah. would be mm-hmm. come back again. It seemed like a deeper performance. Like maybe he would need to be confronted later, but yeah, no. Now, do you think it was him or was he possessed? Uh, to kill her (laughs) that's how the movie could have ended (laughs) um Um, speaking speaking of the cast just just as a one-off thing uh so we've talked about before probably with you guys too about how at this point there's been so many so much marvel content that uh that basically almost every movie you watch has somebody who has been in a marvel movie 
Uh, and, and, it, and at this point, often I watch something several people have. So there's this game that I've played a few times with Fahad where I like to say like, I'm watching a movie starring and then I'll name the Marvel characters that are in the movie. And then uh, the goal is for him to guess what movie it is based on the, the Marvel characters I mentioned. So for mm-hmm. this one, I was able to do it for this one. Uh, this one stars Jane Foster, um, Norman Osborn and Jan Rog. Can can anyone guess who those people are in this movie? I don't think they've seen enough Marvel movies. <laughs> oh, and that happened. <laughs> well, Jude Law plays Jan Rog in Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, Natalie Portman plays Jane Foster in the Thor movies, and she's going to be Thor in the next movie. Oh. Um, and I don't know if you picked up on it, but the narrator of this movie... William Dafoe. Exactly, is Willem Dafoe, who played <laughs> the Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, in the Spider-Man movies, including the most recent one. I meant to oh, mention that. Interesting. That was cool that he was the uh, narrator. I mean, I'm glad to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah somebody mentioned the narrator earlier. We could talk about that. That that was an interesting choice, uh, especially the way he narrated. It was with such seriousness, and mm-hmm. the the language used was very dense. Like it's like reading from a uh, an academic book about this, which I thought was interesting, juxtaposed with the fact that we're basically just following a pop star, but he makes it sound like a Greek tragedy. Like it's, it's, it's this very profound thing, everything that's mm. happening, which, yeah, I, I'm wondering if you have, any of you had any thoughts on that? Well, I, I appreciated that. I, I, I appreciated that, what that added to the movie. It was interesting how that happened. The role that that played, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's also two movies in a row where we've had a narrator. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was the- Lebowski. Oh, yeah. Lebowski, we hit the stranger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah, think about the, the manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nor, sometimes I, I feel like, um, I heard this a long time ago in some film critique and ever since then have not been able to not see it in movies, but two things, when there's narration or, or just any kind of voiceover uh, in a movie, that that is um, a very cheap, form of filmmaking because mm-hmm. it it saves you the trouble as the director of actually telling us the story with within the story itself it, it, it's almost too easy like oh we'll just paint somebody on top who explains to you what's ha- what's happening but I feel like that maybe that doesn't apply in this movie because he does he does add something to it it gives us some distance from the actions it also like I said adds this weird layer of uber uber seriousness to it mm-hmm. um so it doesn't end up feeling shallow in any way. I don't know. It was a little bit bizarre too. So, so I, I, maybe in this instance, it, it didn't bother me so much. I did bother me at all. One point, I did think at one point, like, why could they not just show us this within the movie itself? But a lot goes on. So, did sorry to skip back to what we were talking about before, but did anyone else get annoyed with the way that she answered the questions about the shooting that happened? Were you hoping that she would answer in a more thoughtful way because of what she went through as a child? And like, cause she could, she would be one of the people that can truly empathize yeah. with the, the victims, you know, of that tragedy. So it bothered me when the guy was interviewing her and she was just, oh, and the other, the round table or whatever, the, both interviews. Yeah. Like especially, especially the press conference. Cause yeah, press conference she started out so good, but then that last part she threw on there was like, oh, why? (laughs) Why do that? Why provoke people and you look flippant about it? 
and spoiled a little bit. I'm like, why do that? I don't understand, but I guess- And um, her same, her saying the response that she had to when she hit that guy. Oh, like, yeah. There's a lot of moments in this where you learn things about her in that age that's at, the, at that age, the present time, mm-hmm. where, I mean, you really don't like her because they mentioned about her hitting that guy and that the first thing she does is she starts, she says, she started um, yelling at him in an uncharacteristically racist way. And I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Oh. I, I don't understand when people do that. Uh, I know they want us sometimes to think, oh, but I'm not really like that. And I was like, but you did say those things. Right, yeah, you are they were, actually like they that. were in your head to be able to say them. Yeah. yeah. And she's supposed to be kind of our protagonist, right? So it's like, so now I'm, I can't really empathize with somebody who's racist. Um, what did you all there think? There were so of- many things about her that were the way that she talked to her daughter yeah. and her sister, my God. And then her sister, like, Everybody. I felt bad for her sister. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, didn't understand a lot of her behavior. I, I did want to say, I, I, I don't know if you're going to move on or anything, but just about the, the press conference thing that I was thinking to myself, because I had mentioned this a little bit earlier, like touched on it a bit, but she's been trying to sort of rise above what happened to her when she was young and make a career full of just, you know, joy and performance and reaching out to people. And she, I, maybe she was really, really annoyed that there might be someone out there in the world who was, who was trying to use her career for the opposite. She, her career was supposed to be a, about overcoming that kind of thing. And here it is the possibility that somebody put on masks that looked like from her first music video mm-hmm. to do something violent almost in her name. And that would piss me off too. I'd be like, no, like I've worked this hard. To, to get beyond that kind of a thing. You can't use my own stuff for, for something like this. And that maybe that set her off. And she just, she wanted to be really rude towards them and yell at them instead of keeping it down a little bit to herself, keep being a little more professional. Anyway, Fahad. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say about her behavior. I was curious what you all, your, your all's thoughts were on the scene in the diner when the manager or whatever came up to ask for a picture with her. She did say respectfully at first, she said, no, thank you, no. And then, but he's like, oh, I, 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 I would really like it. And she's like, no. And he's like, I promise I won't like post it or whatever like that. And do you think she reacted badly or do you think he needed to respect her saying no the first or second time? He should have both. both. I think you kind of see maybe in, in the, or at least I did, you saw both of their sides. Like I would never go up and ask a person eating dinner, like for a picture that seems completely gross and inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but it was his, re- like you, I early, I could see both sides. Like I was trying to see, like, I, I mean, in that instance, I was a bit more on her side than I was on his side. Because mm-hmm. he just didn't pick up on certain cues. And she like she looked like she was crying. Like she's not in the state to take a picture. She's with, you know, her daughter. But she said no respectfully. And, you know, if you if you hear no, I'm not trying to make this a Me Too movement or anything. But if you hear no, like the first time or second time, don't keep on pushing at it. Maybe he did. Maybe he wanted to just explain, oh, I'm not like trying to sell it or do anything with it. But she said no again. And, you know, he was trying to push at it. Yeah, you know, she blew up because she's just having that kind of a day. Um, you know, I think for all of us, it's hard to really know what they're going through and thinking through. They probably get that all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she could have handled it a little less 
crazy than she did. But I also think he then overreacted on top of it, making it worse. Like he was like thinking like, how dare you say no? The way he came off of it was like, and he's like, you need to get out. And I was like, okay, you're both amping it up a lot more now. And it's did kind they of leave like, without paying? I was thinking that too. I was like, she stole oh. her sippy cup, sippy cup. But it reminded me a much lesser extent, but it did remind me of with do the right thing where that argument just was escalating <clears throat> in the pizza shop. You know, it's like, it didn't need to get to where it got. Like if they yeah. both just respectfully talk to each other, you know, I, again, not to that extent at all, but that's just, people need to respect one another's re- requests and responses like if she's saying no like you know yeah i was on, i was on her side because uh he he turned into a real dick about it and we, i think we've heard this when we've heard um like actual pop stars in interviews before that the people believe somehow believe that because you're famous um that that you belong to them and so they are entitled to whatever they want from you pictures you know selfies your attention you know like it, and it, it, so they stopped thinking of it as a person and you're just there for their benefit. And he was treating her like that. Like what you're here, I'm just asking you for a photo. Like what's the big deal? Like, because she's a person and you shouldn't be pushing like that. And apparently you don't like her that much anyway. So really he just wanted to be close to fame because mm-hmm. when he turned on a dime, suddenly he's like, you're not that great. And you know, you, you should be more, I don't know what he said to her, but it was very, very much made it uh, clear that he doesn't even really know her that well or care. Uh, he just wanted to impress people by saying he got a picture with her and and then also throwing it like saying to her and it makes me wonder if this has happened with other pop stars that we know when somebody's accused him of something like oh you had alcohol in your breath he his business is the one that gave her that drink and yeah. she just took a sip of it so of course there's alcohol in her breath it's like what <laughs> you're an asshole you're you, yeah. he, he was trying to make it seem like you're an alcoholic you know this is why you're doing these things behaving this way and it's like fuck you like <laughs> And I really, really hated that guy. And I think she had every right to blow up on him. Although it doesn't make her look any better to do that. It's not helpful. And not to her daughter, doesn't make her look better to her daughter. Yeah. So I I didn't like the time jump, that big of a time jump, because we missed so much. And it felt like there were so many things that happened to her that I wish that we could have actually seen. Like they were talking about the alcohol and how she was drinking. What was she drinking? Methyl? Methanol, messed up her her eye. Yeah, Yeah. that made her go blind in one eye because she was drinking household products to get the eye. So I wish that we could have seen, you know, seen that. Yeah, seen that that she was like you kind of miss her daughter's entire childhood. You, it just seems it was like it was too big of a jump for me. What did you all think? This this is a. this is a, how do I phrase this? This is, this is very uh, par for the course for Shelly. You always want to see all the stuff they skipped. <laughs> like, I want to know more about that and that and that. I want to see the prequel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to know inter- it all. No, and I, I see what you're saying, Shelly, because it was interesting, right? Acts one and two take place over like a period of time at that girl at that age. But when it jumps with act three, it's just one day Yeah. of her at that moment. And it's like, we got to see the growth a little bit of why she is the way she is as a teenager. But then all of a sudden you skip this huge part, the actual like real rise of her fame mm-hmm. and the rise and fall, rise and fall. Who knows what's going on? And all of a sudden we open up to this day and that's what the rest of the movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, and to like what you were saying, Eric, sometimes you know, they say with filmmaking is narration is like a lazy way that the filmmaker doesn't have to fill in those pieces. 
you know, also in other ways, just casually mentioning things from the past that happened because they didn't show it. They just skipped over it. So talking about her drinking all that, going blind in the eye, the accident, you know, the going off, like they talked about it as a way to just say, we're just now going to focus on this one day. I will say though, there's a subtlety throughout the whole movie and things like that work to this benefit too. You know, you, 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 you're getting to know her in the scene in a certain way. And then they'll throw a story like that at you about the methanol across the Southern United States that made her half blind. And, and that's, um, it's thrown in there while you're watching her do normal things. And it, that's kind of shocking too. Just like the shock of the shooting in the beginning, you're like, what's like that, that sounds like a, a really, you know, high level um, moment in her life, like really destructive, um, but we're not seeing it. Uh, but on the other side, there were a few other, I liked the way, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is the narration at least gave us um, a little more context. That way the actual film filmed parts could remain uh, subtle, which was nice because it did um, serve to surprise us every now and then. Like we saw her spend the night with that guy, but we don't find out until uh, there's just this offhanded comment about, you know, Albertine's father is is playing a concert up the up the road there, and we're like, oh, Albertine's yeah. father is the same guy, and and it's a very like very you know it's just slyly tucked in there, so it's not like a big deal but it becomes shocking to us because we did not expect that that is what had come of that night. Um, and they do a few things like that where they they just hide the information a little bit. I, I found that interesting. Do you think, because she was obviously very young when she got pregnant, she was trying to be a big pop star and rise to fame, all that. We do know that her daughter does live with the sister. Do you think to the bigger world, they might've passed it off that that's her sister's baby and not hers? So that way she could rise to fame and not have that perception of her. And they just kind of passed it off that way. But she, I think she does say in the press conference that yeah. she had Oh, she does? Okay. Yeah. Okay. She said, I had a kid when I was young or something. Okay. Or when I was, when a, I was a kid. Is when or like, unless ah. maybe, or unless they did keep it secret and during one of her falls, you know, where mm. whatever, maybe she just kind of went all out and said, this is what happened. But again, it's all in the middle history that we don't know anything about. So I'm going to go with that. Well, I wondered, wondered why they, why... At first I thought she's kind of a bitch that she made her her sister the legal guardian of her daughter instead of staying her legal guardian. But maybe it's because she did have her so young because her sister was just a little bit older. Her sister was the one that ended up taking care of the baby. That way she could start her career. Otherwise, how would she? I can't believe that she was probably pregnant during her like launch, you know, like, or they yeah, launched her right after it. I don't know. Yeah. I want to see a little more about that, about her, you know, being pregnant while teen uh, trying and that that's that an interesting chunk to see. I wish he had so shown even yeah. a bit of, like Shelly mentioned, you know, big chunks of things. Like that, that's yeah, amazing. She, she <laughs> was literally just getting started. Like she was filming yeah. her first music video, and it's like, like what? Okay, you know, nine <laughs> months now you're going to be with the child. manager character. Is he? I mean, he's clearly an awful guy. What do you all think? <laughs> clearly, he's an awful guy. But what do you think? Well, oh, uh, in my opinion, setting awful. us up. I mean, sleeping with her sister. Then when they were get, they were getting high together, she's like, well, you can have sex with me while we're high. I mean, yuck. And then he's just kind of basically hugging her there at the end, like get her to calm down so that she can go on stage. And then he's just staring at her 
evilly. <laughs> he's the one who's not happy when uh, when she's singing. He's just like, make us this money. Yeah, there. their relationship obviously got very complicated. I wondered if maybe part of the reason her and her sister uh, have been kind of estranged for this whole time, you know, not physically, but emotionally estranged this whole time, is I guess, like in the beginning, Jude Law was all about Celeste and that was the focus. And she probably felt really good about that. But then she walks in and and realizes and finds out that um, Jude Law, even though it would have been inappropriate, he didn't try to sleep with Celeste. He ended up sleeping with her sister secretly. So it's almost like- And on September 11th, yeah so it's almost like she's she's like why not me like he didn't want he didn't try anything with me he didn't want me he's going to my sister and that maybe that created a rift that started a rift between them that continued with the fact that her sister gets to raise her daughter a bit um and it's not her sister's fault at all but um by the way that was very interesting storytelling that the morning they wake up was the morning of september 11th it's like oh Okay. And she just says, get out of here. We have to yeah. call mom and dad. A plane hit the building. <laughs> yeah, there was another, that was another subtle thing, right? Where it's, it's yeah. just tucked in there and it's like, wait, what? How mm-hmm. random and shocking. Uh, it's also great because I think part of the point of this movie is that they are, um, her entire career in adult life has taken place in a, a very special era. Um, and so they make a point there that uh, her, her, her life kind of, this pop life started when the entire world changed. I mean, nothing was the same after September 11th. Everybody changed the way they do everything, the way they think, you know, the, you know, so, and, 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 and things only got worse from there. Like, you know, social media and, and terrorism and polarization. And so when we meet her again, 17 years later, her career is taking place, it has entirely taken place in that kind of world, which is kind of toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's much, it feels like there's much more bad things that are happening. And it started with a school shooting in 1999, which was when Columbine happened. Uh, oh, there you go. So, yeah. And the, like, the Wikipedia said 2000. That, 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 uh, and I thought it was 1999. That, that oh, was I thought awesome. they said 1999 in the movie. Yeah, I thought so too. But then I, the Wikipedia said like 2000, but oh, maybe. So the movie said 1999. Yeah, I think Wikipedia is wrong. It may, yeah. Are you saying the Wikipedia for the movie or Columbine? Wikipedia for Vox Lux movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I always look up some things if I'm confused about yeah. or like know a little more I, about. I swear, I thought it's the 1999. Yeah, it said yeah, like January so 2000. I was like, what? Uh, okay. Well, maybe the shooting and maybe it happened in '99, but then the. Well, it was when they came her... back. It was when they came back from uh, Christmas break, though. That's New Year's uh, break. Yeah. She said okay. Happy New Year. Oh, you're right. So you're it right, was right, like yeah. a, a couple days after 1999. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it does seem like probably to but, all of our memory too that before 98, 99, 2000 or before 2000, before that, things did seem like maybe a little simpler. Yeah. Maybe it's just because we were young, but it seems like yeah. things were not as complicated or as stressful or as violent. Well, apparently Google's as con- confused as we are because on Google, the main synopsis literally says, Celeste is a 13 year old music prodigy who survives a horrific school shooting in Staten Island, New York in 1999. Okay, that's a January 2000. That's like maybe whoa. it was January 1999, and Wikipedia's got it wrong. I don't know. Yeah, huh. well, it was definitely New Year after New Year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's canon script. <laughs> you know, the killer killer walked in speaking of the shooting. It's kind of interesting how had some interesting, weird emphasis was put on his name. 
I am Colin Active. I am Colin Active. Like Colin was that active. name or was it like it just a uh, this weird subtle emphasis on his name is I don't know. What did you guys did you guys see that or am I just I I heard was, him say that and saw that I don't know, but then I thought, well, active, active shooter, manager, manager. Except he he had been going by that name for a while, I guess, because the teacher s- says, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know I that's know. your name. That was- and, you know, and then and then he, that was the worst moment for me. I mean, the whole shooting was bad, but that poor teacher, she was right I there know. point blank with him. Yeah. You could sort and of had tell, no idea like what was about to happen. Well, you could sort yeah. of tell on her face just a few nanoseconds before it was happening that she knew something was really, really wrong. But there's nothing that she could have. I mean, there was nowhere to go. It's just uh, I, mean, I, yeah, I that nanosecond. people who do. I, I really like I said earlier, I, I cannot stand people who think that they have any right to take away someone else's life. Mm-hmm. he is what i'm and then to be so cowardly he, he takes his own so he doesn't ever have to be held accountable for this crap i and, thought it was interesting the conversation that she had with the um the guy in the band where she was talking about the music you you make the kind of music that the guy who attacked uh, me made yeah i just thought that was an interesting conversation that was the same time the quote that she said the quote right after that. That's what yeah. I was trying to figure out. You feel that missing piece and that's what what he said. Oh, oh wait. Didn't when they were laying together a few years later? Didn't he that musician say that? Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And I think that's also commentary on the whole controversy back with all those school shootings back in like '99, whatever about yeah. music influencing these kids like mm-hmm. Marilyn Manson, Eminem, they all got flack for I know. being bad influences yeah. for these school shooters. But see, Which, the, the, difference I was thinking, the difference I was thinking to myself though is that the musicians who make that music, that's their outlet for the kind of anger they feel. And these kids should take a note from that book. Like you're, the music's not telling you to do things it's telling you to find an outlet like you, 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 you and the outlet is not shooting people you know it's like the, the people who make the music are doing something constructive with their their feelings about the world mm-hmm. and about themselves uh, and these people these other people are too weak to do anything like that instead they have to make other people suffer yeah. what did you guys think with the fact that he looked like he was kind of going through a, a gender identity crisis there with the makeup on and stuff I, that was interesting to me because back you didn't see anything of like that from the, from the shooters, all the shooters, all the kids, school shooters from like 97 and 99. You know, you, you didn't hear about any kind of identity crisis or anything or gender crisis or, or um, I don't know. it was the same style as like Orgy and Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Like the, 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 oh. the, the, the style of people who might listen to music. That's what I took it as too. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, because it, it seems like so, because the whole transgender movement now, it does, he looked like he was yeah, like, I don't think they were they were making a comment that. on that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I don't think so. Either. Yeah, the makeup was so pretty. I, I thought maybe he was like struggling with something there. Okay, yeah, like the glam goth, punk goth kind of. Yeah. yeah, glam. I miss glam goth. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> this is glam. Glam goth. <laughs> I mean, you could have had a whole movie just about that school shooting and the effects it had on everybody with it. Like, yeah, it was like you know, leading up to it, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm being, you and know, she I mean, never recovered from it. It just seems no, like her life went. Th- that was another shocking, subtle reveal when she's having that interview with Christopher Abbott. Um, and, and we didn't exactly know this because we don't know her whole medical history, but she says, she mentions that the bullet is still in her spine. <laughs> like yeah. it's oh. been there the entire time. Like she, she literally, 
will never fully heal from it. And she's still on pain medication for it. And she obviously, I mean, she hides the scar yeah. at all times. She wears a scarf. Um, whereas some people, you know, they embrace that as like, this is, I, I lived like, you know, and yeah, but obviously I thought maybe she was like her. the, the lady with the green ribbon. Remember that short story in, um, scary mm-hmm. stories you can tell in the dark. Oh, yes. I remember that. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Yeah. The guy that, and he, I think they had children and everything. And then on her deathbed, now you may pull the green ribbon off. And that's, yeah, her head. Her head. <laughs> that was the freakiest thing I read in my teens about you. That one story or the whole scary stories? No, no, the, the, the certain one. That was one of the ones that freaked uh, me out. Yeah. Huh. At one point, she looked like she had duct tape on her neck. I thought. <laughs> oh. I was like, "What's up with that?" <laughs> it seems like they it would also just her different ways to cover her neck wound. I, I guess that's a sign, also, that she has she's sort of not wanted to to address it or 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 really, you know, investigate her feelings about it since it happened. Otherwise, she may have at some point, like Fahad said, taken that off and said, "You know, look." Instead, she's been hiding it from everyone and from herself, even though everyone knows. She's like, just don't pay attention. Don't look. Let's pretend this never happened, you know? <laughs> uh, so she, she just wants to run away from it. She seems like the kind of person that would embrace and take, you know, take control of it because she seems like she does that with everything else. But I guess that's just a, a literal scar that just can't heal for her. Yeah. I, there's so many moments where you really, really think she's an awful person, right? Mm-hmm. But then there will be a moment where you're like, oh, maybe not. Uh, and one of those for me is when um, she makes them pull over the van on the way to the venue. And um, she runs out onto the beach and asks her daughter to, to, to have a moment with her for the people. And, and in that moment, it's like, wow, that's that's a very human moment. Like she does. If you had thought that maybe she didn't up until now, now, you know, she really does care about what happened to these people. And it is very upsetting to her, but she's been, she's just been trying to hide it from other people mm-hmm. so that she can get on with what she's got to do. Um, it was kind of, kind of upsetting. Like she, she, she almost turned to God again. <laughs> uh, it wasn't exactly praying, but she wanted to have a moment and just to think about them. And I, th- I thought that was very upsetting, but I also thought it was impressive. Uh, her ability in heels. <laughs> Oh, there was one scene where she was running to the sand. Did you guys see that? She was all like this. Yeah, that one. I was like, how do you run in sand and heels? And that scene in the dressing room right before she goes on where, where she, she's yeah. in heels, but she collapses against the wall really quickly. I was like, if I tried to collapse like that as an actor while wearing heels, I'd probably break my ankle trying to do it. I, I don't know how you get those under you and like slide down the wall without oh, hurting neither. yourself. No, at the same time that she, there was a scene in the, um, the, the hotel where the Judas came out all you know high as a kite, and then she went boom onto the floor, onto the ground. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, that was so. Yeah. But was that the same? Did she? Within that same um, frame, then they then she ran to the sand after that. And uh, yeah, was, yeah. Like I like, thought she was gonna get up and have like a missing tooth. <laughs> I was like, how do you plant <laughs> like that? <laughs> not like bloody yourself. No. Oh. She's a tough girl. Yeah. <laughs> Or re hurt your spine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, same time as you ran to the same. 
like wow she's running out there on her heels all that happened the same frame there we yeah, call yeah, everything that happened that day the yeah. you know, hurting herself and taking all those drugs and I, I have no idea how she could have pulled it together to go on stage oh, i know it seems impossible well, well and especially it? with the way that this movie is that underlying sense of dread it's like I literally thought that this is showing us that it's going to lead up to something horrible happening to her on, happening to her on stage. Yeah. But then it didn't. Well, well, what did you do while you were gone? What did you do with the scene where she face planted on the, um, the hotel room, the hotel floor? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, was that whole day just leading up to all of that and that moment, it was all just, it was sad to see. Like, this is what she's going through. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that she got to the point where she just went, bloop. You know, <laughs> she's had a hard, hard life and a hard day yeah. and still was, was able to turn it on. It was pretty comical. It was there, there's bit. nothing really funny in the rest of the movie, but yeah. that's, that was funny. that's why I use the word bloop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I definitely laughed. I was like, well, why? Why did they do this? <laughs> that was a very good um, stunt actress. I, I assume that wasn't Allie Portman. <laughs> planning. <laughs> Um, something else I really enjoyed was in the beginning when they, when they're going to Sweden, the whole Willem Dafoe gives us this history of Swedish music production. That was cool. I loved that because, um, I mean, Fahad and I can tell you, like we've known for years, like all the best music comes out of Sweden, the best producers and writers, and even some of the acts, you know, like Robin, ABBA, Roxette are Swedish, you know, Um, Max Max Martin, who's a very, very prolific songwriter for some of the biggest pop hits you've heard like he's done a lot of britney spears like baby one more time oops i did it again backstreet boys i want it that way bye 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 like basically every act including more recent ones that are worth their salts or whatever the phrase is max martin has probably done a song with them and it was probably pretty successful he's impressive and so but i what i had i so i've seen actually i've also seen documentaries on swedish music production there's there's a show on Netflix, if you're interested, called This Is Pop. Uh, and every episode is about a different like facet of music. Um, and the one of one of them is all about the Swedish, Swedish production. And um, but Willem Dafoe tells us something I didn't know, which is that which is a, the apparent reason that Sweden has become such a like music mecca, because they were afraid of the influence of Western music like, I guess, you know, from non-white people in, in the like early 1900s. And so they started all these music schools to make sure that they could maintain a certain like, you know, culture of music in Sweden. But I, I guess that served to really teach them, teach them all, like teach an entire generation, which then passed it down, um, the importance of music and how, how to produce music and create music. And so now they use it over the whole entire world. It's, it's yeah. a very interesting uh, part of the history I had never heard before. Um, sorry, I do need to make a correction. Max Martin did not write Bye Bye Bye. He wrote It's Gonna Be Me. Uh-huh. Um, but here's a fun fact or a real fact about uh, Max Martin. He has written 25 songs that have been number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. He wrote wow. 25. His latest ones were in 2021. He wrote Save Your Tears by Ariana Grande in The Weeknd, and he wrote My Universe by Coldplay and BTS. Some of his more recent ones were like Roar and Dark Horse for Katy Perry, Shake It Off and Blank Space for Taylor Swift, Can't Feel My Face by The Weeknd, and Eric's favorite Can't Stop the Feeling by Justin Timberlake. Um, But like Mm -hmm. back in the day, he did like Baby One More Time, It's Gonna Be Me, I Kissed a Girl, So What, My Life Would Suck Mm -hmm. Without You. 
California Girls. Like he, those are yeah, all number think, ones he's written. Like how has he not burned out? Like how does he still have ideas that uh, people still actually want to listen? Because often people don't know who's producing it. So it's not like if an artist keeps doing good stuff, but nobody's interested in the artist anymore. So they just don't listen. Like nobody even knows that Max Martin is doing their favorite songs, but he is. And so they're popular just on the quality of them and not a name or oh. anything. How old is he? He is 50 years old. That's it? Wow. Wow. That's crazy. So he has many more years of writing. (laughs) Yep. How much is he worth? Oh, geez. He's very rich. (laughs) I wonder if it tells me that on here. (laughs) I guess we could... um, Oh, here. It does. (laughs) Well... In early 2019, his single sales were tallied by the Hollywood Reporter sales of his songs to be over 135 million. His net worth, according to Variety, because, you know, they get money based off of the songs playing and stuff. His net worth, according to Variety in 2017, put him at 260 million dollars. Wow. He doesn't need all those millions. He's probably (laughs) worth more than a lot of the artists he's written for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He should be. Well, I mean, good. He should he's be. He's the one who's doing the It's hard. I can't even imagine. It's hard to write a catchy song. And he's written so many. Although, to be fair, and to bring it back to this movie, it is also a special kind of difficult to be a performer on stage, like what, like what Natalie Portman's character had to do after her life is a disaster and her whole day has been a mess. Still being up there with a smile and knowing all the choreography perfectly and singing live. Um, and being in the but public it, eye, there, that's something that a lot of people don't want to do. I'm sure Max Martin. Yeah, and it makes it look miserable. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like a happy life. And you hear it so often from, especially people who are teen stars and growing up in this world, you hear from a lot of them as to how unhappy they were the, during those years. And they were forced to grow up. It's like Drew Barry, like forced to grow up and do things yeah. that grown ups, you know can't even handle doing adultly yeah. you know yeah yeah that's another that's another shelly thing that <laughs> feeling bad for the poor kids who are forced to do i like, do oh, i man. felt i hated the scene with her she was supposed to be what 15 when she was with that guy oh uh, at least that they didn't really cool. show anything like you know no they didn't show anything that, that was nice. still it was just the um the, the idea. thought of what is happening. Yeah. I was actually surprised. Uh, I thought he was a very nice guy. Like he seemed to actually respect her. He, he liked what she was doing. He was asking her questions. He cared mm-hmm. about her opinion. He wasn't just there to like try to get some girl on the sack. But it made me wonder like- <laughs> And what he kept, happened- she kept putting down her music and he kept saying, no, you know, no, yeah. no, I like. Uh, he was very sweet. It, it made me wonder like what, ha- what happened in the interim that made her hate See, him so much. Don't <laughs> you wish you would have seen that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit just that you know like what what was his yeah what was the breakdown there was he a bad guy or was it just two famous people can't you know that's probably it it, it probably was her she probably sabotaged the whole thing <laughs> seems like she had done that with a lot of people and things yeah huh. and did he even know that she that baby was his yeah i think so because didn't Albertine ask if she could go? Yeah, she yeah, Albertine but- asked the manager can if she could go up there and see him because he's just up the road. And 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 so Celeste says, "Well, what did you tell her?" And uh, and he yeah, said, "Yeah, but that made me wonder. Him. Like she knew who her her dad was, but did yeah. he know? Oh, that they were trying was- to discourage oh, uh, her uh, from going. 
Yeah. Well, I wonder if he's done the math, you know, like she had, oh, she had a kid <laughs> when she was really young. Well, let's see. Yeah. I was with her. <laughs> she couldn't have been with that many more guys when she was that young. Mm-mm. I wonder how old he was, though. Was that a little skeezy? Yes. He was adult, right? Did he know how old she was? Did she yeah. tell him? Because they met in a club. So I think the assumption is if you're in here. Yeah. To be in here. I thought there was drinking. Also, the music video she made at that young of an age was really odd. (laughs) It didn't seem like a little pop star in the makings music video. Not from the early 2000s, but not for a first single. But what it did remind me of and her and her and that that actress, too. And that time uh, in the movie, it it made me think so much of Lord. I was like, um, I feel like I'm watching Lord come up. <laughs> but yeah, it did not feel early 2000s pop video look. The whole thing did not feel like it fit. Um, and especially for to be the first video and first song to release, it just didn't feel right to me. But that took me out of it a little bit too. But yeah. 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 <laughs> so yeah, I um yeah. I guess we're, 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 we're trailing, we're, we're winding down. So I'll just say like in general, I really, really enjoyed the style. Um, I thought it was very beautiful. A lot of shots were done in a way that I thought was very impressive and interesting. And I love the way they use the credits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unless, unless I was watching a bad copy, you guys can tell me if you had the same experience, but the end credits aren't most of them silent. I had no music or anything. I even like tested my volume i was like did i mute this <laughs> it, there was like nothing oh. close to the credits. i don't remember i didn't even think about that yeah i don't know but, yeah like the music ends uh, like you know <laughs> yeah uh, very telling if it's case. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah very beautiful beautifully and interestingly directed yeah, I would say with this movie, I, I appreciate it for what it was doing. It's not the kind of movie I'll watch again. Um, I, you know, I appreciate that I saw it. Like I, like you were saying, it's very beautifully done. The acting was great. You know, it was, it was a story that I saw, but it's it's not one of those movies that's just easy to have on in the background. Like, I don't think I can watch that opening scene again. You know, like it's yeah. not, yeah, uh-uh. it's not something that'll be on my replay list, but I'm glad I at least saw it. Yeah. I agree with that. I might like to see it again, just to um, a movie like this. I feel like seeing it a second time, you'll maybe redefine your feelings about it or about this, the situations that, that she's going through and, and, and I don't know, figure it out a little more kind of like what happened with me in possessor. Like the second time I was like, okay, I'm getting a lot more of the subtleties here because I'm not so concerned about following the plot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I already know. I already know the basic plot. So I, now I can just look for details. The little things you might have missed. Yeah. Okay. So should we move on to recast? That's how you say recast. No, I'm going to do this. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Okay, it's that time again for Recast. We close each episode with the Recast game, where we each play casting director and choose a different actor from any era, living or dead, to portray a character in the film instead. First up is going to be me, actually. Uh, Selfish. Yeah, I know. I'll I'll, I'll just go ahead and lead since it's my, my hosting duties today. Uh, so I was decided I wanted to recast her sister. And um, I don't think you guys are going to know this person, but um, I want to recast her with St. Vincent. St. Vincent actually is a musician. 
but she also put out a movie last year that's sort of a mockumentary about herself. It's a mockumentary slash thriller, apparently. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm a very, very excited to. No. She's a very, very interesting artist. She's She has some pop sensibilities, but she definitely, she does things a little more, uh, she's avant-garde sometimes. So it's I, I feel like she kind of reminded me a little of Vox Lux's style. Uh, but no, sorry, Celeste. Vox Lux was the album, right? So Celeste's style. And um, and I thought that it would be interesting to sort of plane her down. Does that make sense? Like make her plane and have her play the sister because mm-hmm. the sister was somebody who always wanted to be famous, but Celeste is the one that got the career. And I thought St. Vincent would bring an interesting um, um, facet to that. Like as, as somebody where the actor actually is, but playing someone who, who never made it and just has to be in the shadow of somebody. So yeah, so that's my recasts. So how about mm-hmm. next we go to Takiya. Hey, so um, I have two, one for you, uh, Celeste, and then one that where it was, there was an actress that was supposed to be first cast and then Natalie Portman took over or they cast her instead of this actress. So it's kind of a half recast, but my full, I'll do my full recast first. All right, um, this younger, younger Celeste, um, Jenna Ortega. I thought she looked similar to her and she could probably pull off a younger Celeste, you know, with the school shooting to the, um, to the pop star. So that's my recast. Jenna was, Ortega's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I started thinking about her and I didn't have anyone else in mind when I saw like a younger, her, you know, the, the lanky body and the hair, the brown hair. So that's what got me thinking about her, that she would, she would do good as um, Celeste, young Celeste. Um, older Celeste, um, Rooney Mara, Mara. Oh. This is because I read about, I read some trivia about. So that's, that's why I say it's, it's like an unofficial recast. I read some trivia about her about the um, the movie, of course, on Wikipedia. And she was initially cast to be Celeste. So I don't know if you guys could see. see I, I, I could see it possibly. Yes, that's why. I'm, that could be unofficial official recast. You know, they didn't end up going with yeah. her. Now better. That's that's why I am. Yeah. I guess she can sing though, or maybe they were planning to have her dubbed or something. But maybe yeah, that's why know. they recasted her, literally. <laughs> so that, that's mine. Oh, thank you. Okay, let's do Shelly. Oh, yay. Okay. So I recast Celeste as well. And this is the second time that I've recast this actress and something. So I think maybe I'm a big fan of hers, I guess. Maybe. Um, <laughs> You're not aware of it. You're just I'm not aware. I'm just aware now. I recast Celeste, older Celeste, with Emmy Rossum because oh. I think that she would do a great job with the tough kind of mm. pretty girl mm-hmm. um, role. Yeah. So my second recast, though, is hilarious. I, I want to recast the manager with Mike Myers. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Ew. That'd be funny. I love Mike Myers. I don't want to think about him having sex with uh with No, but it'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be he won't be. He'll be doing it with Emmy Rossum. Yeah. Uh, either way. Um with Emmy Rossum, and we know she can sing because she was Christine in Phantom of the Opera, the movie. Oh, oh. perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. Okay, so next is Ruth. 
Okay, so I wanted to recast Celeste, and um, I could narrow it down to one, so I have two. Um, Everybody has two. We have one. Did I not do it right? (laughs) Not do it right. We had a memo. Did you not get it? I did not get the memo. No. (laughs) So one is from American Hustle. I thought of Jennifer Lawrence because she plays kind of like she's badass, but yet she's got that like that other side of her too, you know, Um, and her brattiness too, I guess. And also she's like, what did I do? Like, why are they all like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Kind of stuff like that. Um, and then also actually maybe um, too fun to watch <laughs> well yeah well also amy adams well she's actually in that movie too but i just thought she's got her badass moments in that and i said in the fighter where she really stands up for herself between, <laughs> um mark Wahlberg's sisters and stuff like that too but okay. i don't know i thought they could kind of bring kind of a different edge to it sounds like you like the american hustle movie <laughs> <laughs> i do <laughs> i like Did the choice <laughs> Yeah, Shelly's realizing she likes Emmy Rossum, and Ruth is realizing, I think I like American Hustle. <laughs> okay, that, uh, well, that wraps it up. No, I'm just kidding. It's Fahad's turn. <laughs> um, so for my recast, I decided to go a little different um, with this. So this movie had, you know, two big names in it. It had Natalie Portman and Jude Law. So I decided I wanted to put in a third big name, but in a lesser role. So it'll be like, oh, they got this person here. And it's because looks wise and a little bit the character wise, it just reminded me of somebody that she'd play. So for Josie, the publicist, mm-hmm. um, I was going to recast her with Meryl Streep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like her. yeah, she had that kind of same feel. And I was like, oh, I can see Meryl Streep, you know, being kind of that intimidating person at first. But then all of a sudden the dynamic flips when, you know, Celeste is a huge star and I could yeah, still see true. that. But she still has that strength to be like, nope, this interview's over. I like mm-hmm. that. I, I think if they were to get her, though, they'd have to write in at least one extra scene that, between her and Celeste so that Meryl Streep can get her. Awesome. Otherwise, it's like, oh, why are we <laughs> wasting her? You know, so there's got to be mm-hmm. some kind of confrontation, maybe, where Meryl or a duet. Dramatic. They can make situation. beautiful duets. Because <laughs> she can sing, <laughs> Mamma Mia. I thought she looks slightly like Laura Linney, actually. Oh, really? I had never thought about the Meryl Streep thing, but now I kind of see it, especially when she was in that big dress before they went to that event. I was like, yeah. oh. With her hair up. Yeah, yeah now yeah. I'm seeing it a like, I kept bit. on seeing Meryl throughout, so I was like, okay, that's easy. I got my recast. <laughs> um, Do you know how um, you were saying that you, and I agree, I was too, uh, the whole time, like when the ending was happening, I thought something bad is about to happen, mm-hmm. but it just, you know, ends with us watching the concert. Well, I also thought like when she was having struggling to actually get to the concert that um, that, that maybe her sister at some point was going to take over and pretend oh. to be her and oh. do the performances instead <laughs> in some way, you know, um, but that didn't happen. But, you know, I thought like, oh, they were going to elevate her and she'd have to take over. But no, I don't know why I thought of that. I think that was non sequitur. Sorry. <laughs> Thus is Eric. It made me think, it just made me rethink of that whole ending scene and how weird it was, how you, it just went like, it was just bizarre. It kind of was bizarre if you think about it, like it is the sister little. and the mom, I mean, the daughter just sort of staring at her. She goes through several songs. That whole yeah. concert lasted a long yeah. time. Yeah. I was like, wow, we're seeing like the first three opening songs. We're watching the whole concert. Yeah. 
they did spend a lot of like I was like they could have you know spent a little more time on some story and shown us yeah. just like a few clips of each of the three songs but yeah I guess I was, they really wanted to end it with us feeling like we're watching Celeste yeah well we see her perform she was that was when she looked really happy Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it kind of bothered me at the time too and um i'm still struggling with it because it felt a little because i thought oh, something's got to happen here yeah. but nothing does and they spent a lot of time on it and i thought that's a, a strange choice but mm-hmm. but i guess i guess we're i guess we spent the entire movie building towards seeing celeste actually perform as celeste mm-hmm. um, and we never do until then and um so we get to sit with it for a while and realize the everything that she has done to get to there um I'm sure, sure she's had concerts before, but this is the time we get to see it. And it's, it's a pivotal point in her life. But, and I guess another point might be um, life does go on. Like it just keeps trucking along as usual, no matter what horrible things happen or horrible things you say to people or like none of it ends anything. You just keep on going about your business and this is what it's going to be like. <laughs> yeah, I guess it, it, it was a little weird though. It feels weird, right? It does feel weird. It did way. feel weird. Um, by the I way, just, one thing- I kept waiting. Like, I guess it was like just anticipation. What yeah. awful was going to happen? Something yeah. bad is going to happen. That's all you could think about or all I could think yeah. about. I mean, I guess that day technically opened up with something bad, right? The shootings. Right. But I just felt like something was going to happen to her. Like, it can't end with her. Just everything's fine. Like, literally with what her collapsing and all that stuff. But um, one thing I forgot to mention was, did you all recognize- who here has seen Orange is the New Black? Did you all recognize the teacher who was killed? No. How much the familiar? But she was Piper's best friend who ended up, uh, her husband, she, you know, got oh. together with her. Oh. Like they were going into a business together, Piper and her, you know, to, I forgot what it was. Like, like candle making or something. Yeah, bullshit. something like that. Like <laughs> bath bombs or something. <laughs> you know, the thing that rich, you know, the thing that privileged white ladies do when they don't have real jobs. <laughs> Sorry, do any of the privileged white ladies on this podcast make candles for money? <laughs> Sorry. No, no I don't I, make I do candles for Fahad is a privileged uh, a brownish person who's going to make candles soon, but he probably won't sell them. He'll probably just burn them. Himself. Not for a living. I just want to try. I want to make a candle. I want to make some candles that smell like things you wouldn't expect candles to smell like, like Cheetos. Oh, no. <laughs> Nothing in the Gwyneth Paltrow candle. No, no, no body parts. No. <laughs> Vaginal excretion flavor. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh, do that. No, I was thinking like, you know, afterbirth. A, a candle that smells like a Taco <laughs> Bell burrito or something. You know, like just random oh, like things a, you wouldn't think of. Yeah, like a waffle or something. Can yeah, exactly. Candle. Can, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do to get the candle that way, but I don't know. <laughs> I haven't figured it out yet, but <laughs> As a, you know, you know how to make a steeping candle? oil in a burrito. What? <laughs> you know, have you made a candle? Never. <laughs> but you can buy the supplies at Michael's. They have a whole section on it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, they yeah. Have lots of wax and they also sell like, in there. the oils and stuff, but I don't know. You might struggle to find something that reminds you of Cheetos <laughs> or a burrito. Yeah. Or maybe not. You just got to be really cl- clever with what you yeah, make. You I figured with Cheetos, you just crush them up. And you put oil in there so it could try to hopefully soak up the scent of it. And then that oil is what you use to scentify, mm-hmm. to yeah, add scent to your candle. Infusing I, oils? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the first one? You know, like random ones. What? 
Cheetah was the first one. No, that I'm just coming up with. I was just. You know, my cat. My cat is named Cheeto. <laughs> oh really? Oh. <laughs> I saw Cheeto. I think walk in for a second. I saw like a tail. Oh, did he? Yeah. Cheeto likes to eat Cheetos. How weird yeah. is that? <laughs> really, he loves Cheetos. Does, does the Cheetos mascot, the cat, does he have a name? Chester. Oh, Chester. Chester. Oh, Chester Cheetah. Yeah, I, I knew I, there was one and I couldn't think of it. Um, no, if I were to go with the first one, it would it would probably be a Doritos scented. Okay. I like Doritos more than Cheetos. Cool Ranch, ranch or N- Nacho Cheese. Nacho oh, cheese. I like ranch. I like the spicy chili. Oh, I I love the just spicy Nacho Cheese Doritos too, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they smell different than regular Doritos though. <laughs> but you we'll could make a whole thing. chip line. I could. And then get and I'd have to just call it. Nacho cheese chip, crunchy, <laughs> cheesy cat. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You should make that a goal for hot, and then um, I'll help you start an Etsy shop. <laughs> no, because that just involves effort. Sure. <laughs> okay. So and for those, uh, wait, wait, wait. I do have to say, for those of you listening to this podcast, don't steal my idea. Or Eric, <laughs> please, please cut that out of the podcast. I don't want people to take my idea. Oh, yeah. trademark. Yes, trademark that. Have you Googled yet to see if the idea has already been done? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I know that there's a, a KFC log that you can get that smells like KFC chicken when you um, put it in your fireplace. Oh, wow. KFC chicken. That sounds delicious. That. that sounds awesome. I'd be hungry after you. But had I'd that. be very hungry. I'm like people. Oh. People should do that at, at like real estate agents should do that. Do that at open houses instead of where they they Chocolate will like chip. put vanilla on a light bulb so it smells like cookies. They should put yeah. the KFC log in there. <laughs> well, I mean, if I want my house to smell like KFC, I'll go get some KFC. So that yeah. way I can actually eat it too, and my house will smell like KFC. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyways, should we go okay. on to the the ratings? So yeah. Back to the task at hand. It's time for us to rate this movie. So uh, you know the drill, open up your chat. Uh, You have to choose from zero to five and you can use quarters. Um, Enter it in the chat and then wait for Fahad because I like him to have the honors to count us down to zero. And on zero, you may hit enter. And then uh, we'll have Shelly as usual call them out to Fahad while he calculates our fogey average. So as Eric, okay. So on the on the row of zero, you'll hit enter and I'll start at three this time. Three, two, one, zero. Okay, so Shelly, read out to me. Okay, ready? Number. Yeah. Fahad, 3.5. Okay. Shelly, 2.75. Ruth, three. Three. Takia, 2.5. 2.5. And Eric? Where did Eric's? Oh, 3.75. 7.5. So okay. that would. Got an average of 3.1. Okay. That's good. <laughs> All right. I think it deserves more. Um, it's... <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out a trick to get some high ratings out of you. Definitely not helping my overall average. <laughs> Me? Huh? What? No, I didn't say anything about you. Oh, I thought you said Shelly. (laughs) Okay, so 3.1, you know, at least it's over three. There's some low things here, you guys. Takiya, Shelly, I mean, I'm surprised. not low. Low would be like two. It's under three. (laughs) It was just more the acting for me. I don't know if I came much of a story. It was was good. I I don't know. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. Well, um, unless anyone has any final thoughts about the movie, pause. Okay, then I think it's time for Takia to announce to us what our next film will be. Okay. Yeah, this is a film that one of my top 10 films is actually not an independent film or a Sundance film like I usually pick. This is just kind of a uh, all around, I think it's actually an Academy Award movie, but it was not one of the, it, it was, um, I liked in the genre of um, I Am Sam and that kind of, I was thinking on those lines, I want to do something like that where a disability is kind of highlighted in, in, a, in a movie, but not like highlighted like as, but like, it's like part of the whole of the movie. So okay. I decided to go with Rain Man okay. and on Netflix. I hope, and I had this discussion with Fahad and Eric, but I hope that um, Shelly and Ruth, you guys, have you guys seen these, this, this movie? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Shelly and Ruth have seen it. Eric, have you seen it? Oh no. Shelly, you saw it too? I saw it, I think, I think I saw it once a long time ago, so I, I definitely don't remember anything about it. I was, I was wondering. Shelly, you've seen it? It, it? I've seen it. It's been a while, but I've seen it, yes. I've never seen it. Ruth, but I, I, I'm happy I've to watch it. it. So c- can we, like, it's been a while? <laughs> can that go? Can that count? I don't know. Like, is I it think like- if none of us remember it, we could get away with it, yeah. Okay. Why don't we just go with that, if you guys are cool with that. <laughs> At least it's on Netflix, on the pay, you know, so, oh, that was a cute picture. Yeah, I think this one because I was like, oh, they're boyfriends. They're <laughs> <laughs> the brothers in the movie, but <laughs> I know that. Yeah, <laughs> you've seen it. Like me? Yeah, I just saw it last year, but I loved it so much. I and mean, I know it's crazy. It's been out since like 1992, and then I just saw it last year. But I'll watch it again because I liked it so much. Again, it's my, one of my top ten movies. I would love to watch it again. So I think I remember this scene very well. I think you guys probably will like this movie. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for the, for the discussion. Um, but I'm sad you didn't enjoy the movie as much as me. Hopefully it was entertaining moments. Uh, uh, with that, I declare this episode of Old Fogies and Films concluded. Thanks for joining us. You can find us on Facebook and find our list on Letterboxd. Don't forget to leave a comment or a review. Everybody say bye. 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 Bye-bye.